we've got an interesting challenge in that, you know, the people that we're trying to, to bring to the brand may not actually have ever thought about knitting. They're probably creative people and they've probably tried other hobbies and things, but they may have actually thought about learning to knit. And so we actually need to reach them in ways that, you know, are a little bit more creative, I think, because they're not going, oh, I want to learn how to knit. I'm going to search that in Google. It's like I might be looking for, you know, a mindfulness activity or I might be, you know, really interested in in clothing and slow fashion but never thought about, you know, the actual skill or craft of knitting. So, yeah, I think even more so for us there's a lot of trial and error in, in who we try and market with or to and the kind of channels that we use. Do you love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello and welcome to episode 258 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. Today it is another interview with a small business owner and these actually are owners, I should say, because it's a duo that I'm chatting to today. And really colourful, interesting, chatty chat, really. And I'm excited to be bringing you this episode because I just know that it'll inspire and give people confidence to go forward with an idea that they may have for their business, whether it's an existing business and you're going in a new direction with a new kind of category or product launch or different sign up service offer, or if it's just an idea that you have and you're still employed and you're like, hmm, could we actually do this? I just know that today you'll find a lot of inspiration to get going with that. Before we get stuck into that great interview episode, I want to, of course, acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I record this podcast and I get to meet all these different types of small business owners. And that is the Wawarong and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. And I also welcome any other Aboriginal, Indigenous, First Nations or Torres Strait Islander people and any other Indigenous people from around the world who might be listening in today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, let's get stuck into today's small business interview. So we get a lot of people emailing us, a lot of PR agencies actually also emailing us to get people onto this podcast, which is lovely. It is really, really lovely. We've hit half a million downloads, so it is huge and very exciting for us. I know for some people that may not be a big number. For us, it is huge considering, you know, I had an ambition of 150 downloads per episode. So anyway, we get a lot of requests to be on this podcast and we received a request from this duo that I'm about to introduce and it just was a lovely, heartfelt, real 
request. It was helpful. They were talking about what, you know, the points. They had a bullet point list of the things that they could talk about. But they also talked about the fact that they'd been listening to this podcast for a long time. They referenced an episode that was very early on with Phoebe Bell from Sage and Claire, one of my good friends, who was one of the first people that actually interviewed. I think it was episode four or maybe episode Yeah, probably episode four. And so they talked about, you know, Phoebe in that, talking about what she was doing in lockdown. And yeah, it was just a really lovely email to receive from them. It was, it showed familiarity. It showed flattery. I always tell people, if you're going to contact anyone, show familiarity and show flattery because that's going to get you a long way. But it was also really useful and heartfelt and real. And so it was actually my assistant, Erica, who read through it and said, I actually think they'd be a good fit. And I was like, I agree. So we brought them on to the podcast. And so who are they? Well, today my guests are Kat Bloxham and Morgan Collins, otherwise known as the founders behind Cardi Gang. Such a cool name. We actually talk about how they came up with that name. But for those who don't know, Cardi Gang is this amazing new, newish, it's in the last couple of years, basically craft company for beginner knitters. And so throughout the pandemic, you may have taken up a hobby. I know lots of people did do that, whether it was baking sourdough, whether it was trying to make kombucha, whether it was knitting. And a lot of people did take up knitting, including Kat and Morgan. And they actually not only took it up, but they actually created a business for other beginners. And they are the first to say that they are not, you know, these expert knitters that have been knitting for decades. They are beginners and they they actually couldn't find what they were looking for as beginners. And so they created it. And I love when you hear about people that saw a gap in the market and then actually went through with, hey, we're going to fill that gap. And they've done a really amazing job. They talk about how much the business has grown and how it has actually afforded both of them the opportunity to quit their day jobs. Now, Kat and Morgan come from a marketing background. It's evident in the way that we chat. It's evident in the way that they have positioned their brand. It's evident in the way that they pitch themselves to get on podcasts. But we talk about kind of what tactics have worked, what hasn't, and what advice they'd give to other people. And also how it felt to be able to quit your day job and how it feels as well working with a friend. So, so much goodness in today's podcast episode. And I think Cardi Gang are just going to go from strength to strength. If you have a look at them online, you can find them at cardigang.com.au or find Cardigang over at Instagram. They've got a really strong understanding of who they are trying to target through their products, what type of products those people would like, what type of wool they would like. And they have just a really friendly and approachable way to connect with people who are doing something largely for the first time or doing something that they don't actually feel super confident in. So I love their realness, their rawness, their authenticity, and it's just been a pleasure to have them on the podcast. So here it is, my interview with Kat Bloxham and Morgan Collins, the founders of Cardi Gang. Welcome Kat and Morgan to the podcast. How are you both? Yeah, good. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. And I have used your, I haven't actually shown the email, but I have have used what was in your email when you asked to kind of come on the podcast as an example to lots of clients as to how to do a really good pitch. So well done. On oh, that. Love that. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's always really awkward, like sending those out, you know, putting yourself forward for things like that. So that's really nice. Thank you. Oh, no, we get like we get pitched. Without sounding, oh, it's so great. But we probably get about five pitches a day and I would say 98% 
are just not even thought through the way that people are pitching. And there's just, it's just so obvious. I would say at least 60%. It's completely obvious. They've never listened to their podcast before. And then they give us no idea of what they could talk about. So your talking points, just everything. It was really, really good. So I'm excited to have you on today. So where are you coming from? That's what I always like to ask people. Where are you guys based? So we are, our office is in Collingwood. So that's where we are today. And we have our warehouse in Thornbury. So we were just out there this morning packing all of our new summer orders. Oh, I love that. Do you guys have a soundtrack when you pack? <laughs> we have some pretty, like one of us will usually DJ and then we get sick of each other's <laughs> playlist. So then we just swap. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. I love that. Yeah. I have, I, I really help. I think that music helps so much, even if you're you know, packing orders or making food or doing Trello boards, which is my tedious task that I have to do. I love the name. I love like the whole business just looks so good and so interesting. And yeah, which is part of the reason we got you on, but I have talked about your business to some degree in the intro just now, but can you tell us what is Cardi Gang and how did it come about? Yeah. So at Cardi Gang, we sell DIY knitting kits, soon to be expanding a little bit beyond knitting kits. But the whole idea is that you get all the gear that you need to make yourself a masterpiece. So we're all about sort of DIY and slow fashion and creating something that sparks joy in your life and that you'll have for a lifetime. Oh, and you're well-versed at your taglines and everything. That's just so (laughs) flowed beautifully. And so Cardi Gang, where did the, I mean, obviously the name is kind of self-explanatory to some degree, but how did you come up with that? Yeah, look, it was definitely one of those moments that you look back and go, how did that happen? But, you know, all good ideas come to us in the shower. <laughs> so that was one of those. It was sort of throwing around, you know, we'd, we'd had this idea around selling knitting kits and we were like, oh, cosy kids, this or that. And then, yeah, cardigan. And we did some very quick Googling to see if it had been taken. And yeah, sure enough, it hadn't. So we jumped straight on it. It was probably the first bit of business admin that we did was secure the name and the URL. Oh, again, so smart and such a, such a clever kind of play on words. And so when did you guys start it? So we, it was a pretty sort of, I guess, quick and whirlwind sort of um, way to start a business. We Kat and I were just looking for something to sort of keep us entertained when we were in the middle of of lockdown in 2020. Both being based in Melbourne, we were sort of under those really harsh lockdown restrictions. And so neither of us are great in the kitchen. Um, I think we both already cleared out our wardrobe by that point. So we were looking for something that we could sort of bond over and, and do sort of together, but virtually. And so we thought we'd give knitting a go. We're both reasonably creative and we both have a really interest in fashion. So knitting felt like something we would really enjoy. And we bought knit kits online and and started knitting. And then just through that process, we kind of identified a, a bunch of opportunities that we thought weren't necessarily being done as well as they could. And so sort of through that process, we thought we could probably do this better and and start a business. So we we say we picked up the sticks in sort of June 2020 and by December 2020 we launched Cardi Gang. Wow. And now do you both work in it full time? Yeah, we were very lucky. I, I know I say luck, but it was a lot of hard work. <laughs> but we were very lucky to be able to quit our full-time job. So we're both marketers by trade and we were in the corporate world and we quit our jobs in March and now we 
get to do this full time, which is still incredibly surreal and very, very grateful that it's our job. Oh, that is incredible. And yeah. it comes across that you're both from a marketing background because it seems just <laughs> yeah, effortless. Can you tell? But <laughs> <laughs> still, even if it seems effortless, I know that there's a lot of work and a lot of thought and everything else that goes into it. And so obviously you mentioned the pandemic and, you know, not necessarily wanting to get on the sourdough train. I had a lot of friends who started knitting or took up knitting in the pandemic. And obviously, like I looked at this stuff. My mum was an incredible knitter. Like she could look at a piece of, you know, something in a magazine and knit it that day. Like she was just amazing. Yeah, very talented. And I wish my sister and I both were like, God, I wish we'd listened a bit more when she was teaching us because we sort of left it go. But I looked at those kits and I looked at stuff as well. And I think it was such a big thing that came out of, you know, one of the nicer parts of the pandemic was that lots of people did take up a hobby or, or get more creative and stuff. Did you expect that the business would blow up because, you know, people were taking up more hobbies in some of the downtime that they had? Not really. I think, you know, we both knew how quickly we fell in love with knitting and how desperate we were for something to do that you know, you could actually walk away with something. So we were hopeful that some people would get them. We'd only bought enough Australian Merino for like 40 kits. So we were very conservative just with how much money we threw into the business, but we very quickly sold out of those kits and moved straight onto pre-order. And I think from there, we realized that there was a real appetite, but, you know, I don't think we could have ever foreseen just how quickly it could have grown and how quickly it took off. Yeah, I think like what was beautiful about it was, as you said, marketers, like we kind of put in the work early on. We started with the name, we built a whole brand identity around that and we did a business plan and we were quite diligent with all of that sort of stuff to set the the brand and the business up in a way that it could grow. But it was all just like, I guess, sort of a thought and a prayer that people would actually want to buy knitting kits from us. And so, you know, we we felt confident in the business and the brand that we'd built, but whether the product actually translated and whether we could kind of capture new knitters, we weren't totally sure about. But yeah, lockdowns were definitely a blessing and a curse for us. They definitely accelerated the growth of the business. But then, you know, operating a business in lockdown, we lived outside of each other's five kilometer zones and we had issues with supply chain and all sorts of things. So yeah, lockdown definitely forced us to be a bit kind of creative yeah. and, um, and we, challenged us. And we were working full time. So yeah. <laughs> there oh. was, yeah, not, not a lot of downtime for sure. Oh my goodness. And my mother's passed away, but we have her, between my sister and I, we have like a lot of knitting needles. <laughs> and you know, there's all these, like, it's a whole world out there of like, I don't it even know, is. they've all got little numbers on them. And how did you know? Because I believe you guys, you took up knitting yourself. Like, did either of you come from a knitting background? No. Well, look, our mums both knitted, but we hadn't learned as kids or anything like that. And we were both quite ambitious. And I guess just naively thought, hey, like we can teach ourselves. So we jumped onto YouTube and, you know, Google, you can literally Google anything. So we kind of were like guessing, you know, we write all of our own patterns. So we knitted a couple of jumpers, not to some great success. Like my sleeves came up to my elbows and Morgs <laughs> had a few holes and yeah, they were pretty outrageous, but we very, you know, it, I think it just goes to prove that it's not that hard. And that's sort of everything that we do is for beginners, because if 
you know, we're three knits in and we're writing patterns for other people and we've taught ourselves and we've kind of navigated the world for you so that it's really easy to have to do any of that hectic Googling. I think coming into it like totally fresh was really good for us. Like we, I guess, didn't sort of understand necessarily like all of the the terminology and the ways that patterns are written and, and all of the sort of acronyms and stuff. So when we came in, we were like, okay, this pattern is like, it looked like a code. Like I was like, how am I going to sort of read this and understand it? And I think that that experience that we had personally being so fresh meant that we could sort of, you know, we write all of our patterns in a language that's super easy to understand. Like there's no needing jargon in our patterns. And, you know, our how-to videos are really simple. And, you know, we say like we're still beginner knitters. So everything that we design is still something that a beginner could knit. And honestly, like I am so far from anything more than a beginner knitter, but it's just amazing how much you can create just a few basic techniques. Wow. And so what I wanted to ask as well is then with the, say, the needles, how did you know Mm. what type of needles to include or did or was that just through your research that you're like this type of needle will make this type of you know I'm sounding so naive yeah but this no type of- no not at all because it, it is a bit of a minefield yeah so we it was really important that we had Australian merino and we also you know like we learned to knit on chunky yarn and we wanted to be able to create these chunky knit kits so our wool we wanted big needles because we're impatient and we wanted to be able to quick think, uh, knit things up very quickly. So things like a jumper or a cardigan can take anywhere from sort of 10 to 16 hours versus like months. So we just, it was a lot of trial and error. You know, we still have lots of different needles and we're always introducing new needles and new styles to kind of knit with the same wool because we are experimenting and doing lots of different things. But yeah, we try to keep it really simple and quick <laughs> beginner friendly yeah oh my goodness I'm really tempted now I'm gonna go and buy one because <laughs> I was looking at them when I was researching and like oh there's so many good things there I think I'm not much of a perfectionist though so I'm married to an art director slash graphic designer and he's such you know he can look at something and see that it's you know half a millimeter out whereas I'm like oh it's near oh. enough but I did have a look at your blog and you have lots of great information on how to figure out if you're going off track with like a, a tape measure and stuff we're pretty fast and loose with how we knit there's no knitting police in the cardigan so <laughs> you know it's definitely what's on the outside that counts never look at the inside of our knits because they're pretty messy <laughs> and so you guys have alluded to you know you've had this great friendship but relationships are massively crucial when it comes to business and I work with lots of couples whether they're friends or cousins or sisters or or romantic partners as well in business and I've worked with people you know that are ending their business and it can be really like an awful thing to witness like friends kind of breaking up because the business didn't go to plan or they didn't talk about things. And so I always like to hear about the ins and outs of a partnership. So how did you guys meet and what has been some of the best and maybe then also the most challenging parts of running a business with a partner, particularly, you know, during a pandemic? And I know you alluded to like the fact that you lived outside of that five kilometre rule. But yeah, what else has been the good and the bad of partnership? Yeah, so Kat and I worked together in insurance marketing. That's how we met. We met in 2018 and kind of very quickly became work wives. Like we um, bonded really, really early on over like similar interests and similar outfits and we joked similar hairstyles as well. We had both rocked a, a short blonde bob. A bob, yeah. <laughs> 
And then we worked together for a year. And then um, after the year, we both went into different roles, but remained friends. And we were both quite sort of entrepreneurial. We knew we wanted to do something maybe outside of the corporate world for ourselves. And so we did sort of kick around a few other business ideas before we started Cardi Gang together. But I think the benefit of having worked together meant that we had a lot of confidence in starting business together. Like we know we've got similar values and work ethics. And I think beyond just being friends, we kind of respect and admire each other's abilities when it comes to marketing and and running a business. So it felt a little less risky, I think, to start Cardi Gang together than maybe it would have if we hadn't seen that sort of part of each other previously. Yeah, totally. And I think too, like you just know each other's strengths and we very quickly and easily divided and conquered everything that needed to happen in the back end. So we just sort of naturally fell into a really nice pace in that regard. But I think too, like we can, when one's up, the other (laughs) may not always be up. So it's very much like we just balance each other out really nicely. We know when the other person may not be feeling, you know, super inspired or energized. And so we just, yeah, can read how each other's feeling pretty quickly. I guess like downside is we both want to take holidays at the same time. So that's probably (laughs) the hardest part, but you know, there's, it's definitely, I couldn't have done it without Morgan and yeah, I don't know how people do it on their own. It's, it would be really, really tough. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other kind of like thing that we've sort of navigated, but it's worked really well is being both quite creative and kind of loving the knitting process. Both of us, we kind of naturally want to do a lot of the same things and neither of us are super into the numbers, but we are into them, but we're not super interested in, in them, I guess. And so, you know, splitting up some of the less sort of sexy work can be hard sometimes, but we've also brought in experts where we need to, And that sort of helps alleviate some of that as well. So, you know, having a really good accountant from the get-go has been really important. And then we've got a business coach as well who's amazing and she's kind of like our sort of like a therapist Mm -hmm. as well. So we get to sort of talk through, you know, issues and things and get them out on the table regularly and frequently with her and that helps I think as well. Oh, so many good pieces of advice there and I totally understand Mm -hmm. the business coach slash therapist. Angle <laughs> feels like that sometimes. Yeah. And so this may not be a difficult question to answer because you've been in business for a short amount of time, but usually there's something. Has there been, can you pinpoint kind of like one of the biggest mistakes that you've made so far? And I mean, mistakes are always learning lessons, but one of the biggest sort of lessons, I guess, that you've made so far and what it taught you? Yeah, I guess it's not so much a mistake, but something that we would probably potentially do differently. <laughs> You know, we, as a small business, we were very, we have a really high risk appetite, both Morgan and myself. And sometimes that doesn't always translate the best when it comes to your cash flow. So we, you know, it goes back to Morgan's point around getting a business coach. So we identified that, you know, our accounting and finance isn't necessarily our passion. So we brought our fabulous coach, Suzanne, on, and she was, sort of like number one was just getting really familiar with our books and looking at our cash flow and being able to forecast so that we can make really calculated risks. So, you know, where an example, we were putting down money for stock that 
we knew we needed for the business to be able to grow at the pace that it was, but we didn't have that cash in the bank. And so then it's sort of, you know, next time you do that, like make sure that your forecasts marry up to what your sort of final balance payment will be and making sure that all those other hidden costs you've got complete visibility of. Oh, amazing. And one of the things that, we, you know, we've mentioned already, and I'm sure it's helped you tremendously in your business, is that you both do come from a marketing background as someone else who's also come from a marketing background. I work with lots of people who've never done marketing and they find it really scary and really overwhelming. And so I think even just the fact that you've worked in that before is a, is a huge plus for your business. And I'm sure that that experience and that knowledge has you know been crucial for where you are now. But I also know, because I've worked in marketing, that it's easy or maybe easier sometimes to see another person's business and figure out how to market it, let alone your own business. It's very different to do it for yourself. And so I'm just wondering if you could think about kind of or share any of the most surprisingly successful kind of marketing tactics that you've implemented over the last couple of years and maybe some of the least successful. And I guess, you know, also to that, I know this is a really long question, but there's lots Mm -hmm. of myths around marketing. I hear them all day long from different people. So I'm guessing, you know, you guys might also be able to understand or share, you know, what are some of the myths that you think that are out there in small business land around marketing? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing for us was, you know, I said earlier, we started with a marketing plan and a business strategy and we were just really, I think, optimistic about what marketing activity we would take on. I think because we both come from growing other brands and bigger brands with bigger budgets, we sort of just took a, a sort of an approach that, you know, we would do things like PR and and Facebook advertising and, and all of those sorts of things really early on, set up search campaigns and, and all of the things that you would do for a typical brand. And that, you know, having spoken to other small business owners over the last sort of 18 months to two years, that's not necessarily something that everybody does. And I think that, you know, those activities are really what got us attention early on and catapulted the brand. So things like PR, which, you know, we just sort of naively wrote a release, which is what we would have done for any other client and sort of sent it out to different journos and tried to make connections and all of that sort of stuff really paid off. Like we were in our first sort of three or four months, we were featured in Broadsheet and Urban List and The Good Weekend and and a bunch of others. And you know, that exposure then led to other people finding the brand and influencers buying kits and things. And so, you know, something that maybe if you're a small business, you wouldn't think of doing writing a press release and sending it out to journos because it just feels like a really kind of foreign concept. I think because we've got that experience, we just did it and it paid off enormously. Yeah. And then in terms of things that probably haven't worked as well, you know, we've had some influencers organically buy our kits and they again like did amazing things for us so like Clementine Ford as an example and Olivia Molly Rogers they both found us like through broadsheet so that was amazing and then we did we gifted our kits to another influencer who had an even bigger following and it just didn't do anything like we didn't really see any traffic come to the website or any sales and I think it just you know it just goes to show make sure that the audience is the right one. So while you may be trying to get in front of who you think they're like, you think that your ideal customer follows this person, they may not necessarily. So just making sure that you're sort of 
you know, laser focused. A lot of followers doesn't always mean that you're going to get more people buying your product. So just making sure that you've got a really good alignment there. But, you know, we've also had, you know, like we've had a lot of free press and we did do a paid opportunity with a publisher, like a, a magazine, and that really did anything. But again, we thought the audience perfect for Cardi Gang, but yeah, it just, it's a lot of trial and error. And I think too, because, you know, like we are marketers and we know that you have to test and try things and not everything's going to land. There is no silver bullet. So you've just got to make sure that you take those learnings and just don't repeat the same mistakes. And I think we've got an interesting challenge in that, you know, the people that we're trying to to bring to the brand may not actually have ever thought about knitting. They're probably creative people and they've probably tried other hobbies and things, but they may have actually thought about learning to knit. And so we actually need to reach them in ways that, you know, are a little bit more creative, I think, because they're not going, oh, I want to learn how to knit. I'm going to search that in Google. It's like I might be looking for, you know, a mindfulness activity or I might be, you know, really interested in in clothing and slow fashion but never thought about, you know, the actual skill or craft of knitting. So, yeah, I think even more so for us, there's a lot of trial and error in in who we try and market with or to and the kind of channels that we use. Oh my goodness. Just that answer alone. I feel like people be scribbling down a bunch of notes. And I think you've perfectly brought up one of the myths that is, you know, I think people always think there's just, like you said, silver bullet or this, if I could just get this particular framework, everything will work. And it's not, I'm always saying to people, it's a big experiment marketing. It is experimenting all day long. And if you're working with some agency that is promising you this and this and this over the course of 12 months, they, they literally cannot promise that. No. We might have a new social media platform come up in two months. Like something else might figure out, the, you know. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that, you know, a lot of people grapple with is imposter syndrome. And I think, you know, you've mentioned that you started knitting very, you know, not that long ago, like a, a couple of months mm-hmm. before you actually started the business. So what advice would you give if someone's listening who's maybe wanting to start a business in a field that they didn't study or maybe starting it in, say, you know, like this, like a hobby that they want to take a bit further. I hear all the time, particularly from people who say are an interior designer but didn't study interior design or haven't got their master's or haven't done this or that. And so there's this massive feeling of like, I've got to kind of fake it. Do you have any advice for people like that? Just fake it. (laughs) Don't fake it. I think like we just give it a like if we like were held back by those sort of mindsets we wouldn't have gotten it off the ground and you know we've we're definitely not professional knitters and if you look (laughs) we do get a bit of flack from some of the knitting community around some of our techniques or what we do but we're so crystal clear that we're actually not for them we know who our customer is we're targeting people who have never knitted before it's not about like perfection it's about just creating something epic and having this sort of real hit of dopamine so I think being super crystal clear on like why you want to start and who you're creating your brand for yeah just give it a go yeah give it a go and own it And I think that's what we've done, you know, like we, yeah, as Kat said, like we don't pretend to be expert knitters. We share all of our sort of hits and misses with our audience. And, you know, if someone spots something that's not quite right or suggests a different way that we could do something, we're open to all of that. Like we built the business basically by Googling 
everything mm-hmm. from, you know, how to knit all the way through to website development and, and all the things that we do. It's just Kat and I in the business. So, you know, if anything needs to be done, it's basically the two of us just figuring out how to do it. And so I think it's just like being willing to sort of try to sort of learn something new or push yourself a little bit and owning it really, like being, you know, being proud of, of what you can create. Yeah. And, and you guys should be so proud of what you have created. And you just mentioned then that it is just the two of you in the business and you've outsourced and got some you know experts where you need them. And you, you've really made something that in, you know, old school light could be seen in a certain way, knitting, and you've made it super cool. Like your social media, your branding, your colors, your, you know, mood boards, everything. It just looks super cool. In addition to the actual product, which is also great colors, great fit, you know, it can fit anyone. It looks lovely and comfortable as well as like fashionable. And you said before that you're really clear on your audience, that it's the non-knitters really coming into knitting. Did you, were you clear on that from day one or has that grown? And then in terms of, like you said, you're Googling stuff, the the branding, the visual parts of the brand just look awesome. Is that something that you guys just have that (laughs) taste level? Cause you're, you know, from a fashion, you're both interested in fashion, you said, or is that something that you spent a lot of time? Did you work with a, a branding company to do that? Like, yeah, because I think that's something that people also get really caught up on that it doesn't look as good as it looks in their mind sort of thing. It's really hard to kind of bring that vision to life. And that's where you really can't get held up on perfection. <laughs> yeah, we were pretty crystal clear from the outset. You know, we've always sort of effectively just targeted people like us. And so when we were looking at buying the knit kit ourselves the first time, you know, we didn't really find anything that was like super inspiring or felt really modern and fresh. We sort of almost kind of compromised or settled on something just so that we could give knitting a go and and create. And I think we both chose about the brightest colours that we could from this brand that we bought from originally to just, you know, try and bring a bit of cheer and, and joy. And so I think that, you know, from the outset, we definitely did want to modernize what you would normally expect from a knitting brand and yeah to create stuff that we would actually wear and yeah just to kind of you know we we actually do try and everything that we do we kind of think okay would another knitting brand do this and if the answer is yes then we tend not to do it so even from like our photography and our approach to our creative and our tone of voice and our language we really try to set ourselves apart because ultimately Yes, our product is knitting, but we would see ourselves more as a fashion brand and we want to, you know, bring people into the brand who love fashion, love style and love colour and who are young at heart as much as we are. Oh, I love that. And I love the idea of, what did you say? A young, at, like young at any age or whatever it is. That's really yeah. good. People of any age who are young at heart, I think is the young people of all ages. Young Young people people of all ages. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm in my early forties. So that makes me feel like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'd love to hear about like who has kind of helped you with this business. It sounds like you guys have a really tight, great, supportive, encouraging relationship between the two of you. So I imagine each other has helped, but have you had any mentors I mean, you've mentioned a couple of people or mantras or are there books or films or anything that's really, really helped you with building this business outside of Google? 
definitely. So obviously we've got our business coach, but when it comes back to your question before around sort of brand identity and whether we did that ourselves or sort of outsourced that, that was all us. And very lucky to have a good friend, Alex Parker, who is a phenomenal photographer and incredibly creative. And she sort of started knitting when we did, but didn't get as far down the journey as us but has always been very, very close to what we're doing. And we, before we even created our samples, we sort of had a chat to her and said, hey, we've got this idea, like we would love you to shoot it if you can. And, yeah, she's been as much a part of this brand as we are. We sort of will go to her with an idea and she'll come back with this wild, wild vision that sometimes we'll have to pair back a little bit because we've got like $4 to bring it to life. But (laughs) Yeah, she's been an incredible resource and help for us. We've had, you know, friend, a friend of us created a logo and did some videography for us. We've had friends in PR who have shared their sort of media hit list. We've been very lucky in terms of the connections and relationships that we have and being able to have people like that in your corner is, yeah, it's very, it's priceless. But, you know, we've got many mantras that we live by. We've got one that is think like a CEO. So even when we were starting the business and we were just a fledgling, we're like, well, what would a CEO do? Like, do we buy this or do we buy this? Or do we think like this or do we, you know, think big? So that was definitely one. And then momentum over perfection because we, I think it was Zoe Foster Blake said, the universe will always reward momentum. So that's another one. We just keep moving and moving even if you're exhausted and you feel like you're about to fall over in a heap we just knew that we had to keep moving forward because there were bigger things sort of over the hill but yeah there's a lot of little tidbits that we live by and lots of people helping us even though they're not necessarily in the business full time they're definitely yeah in everything that we're doing oh I love that momentum over perfection. I have written down a bunch of notes while I've been listening to you guys. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for sharing all of those. And then, and I, I love that idea. I often have that as well, you know, think like a CEO rather than an employee, because I think we special, we come from an employee's mindset, a lot of people who, you know, live in corporate and then come into work for themselves. And so what about any tech tools? You guys are young and up with the, with the internet and all the things. So are there any like apps or platforms that have helped you build the business? We use Canva a lot. So a lot of the sort of the majority of our sort of day-to-day creative we do on Canva. And then we also use some Adobe tools for video editing and that sort of thing. And then what else? I mean, we use MOB from a, it's not necessarily the sexiest tool, but it's very, very handy because our accountant just jumps in there and, you know, we can scan our receipts and not have to worry about that in terms of expenses. But Tool-wise, yeah, Canvas probably number one. We use Slack for our own sort of comms back and forth and with our developer. But, yeah, our website's run on Shopify, which kind of simplifies everything. It's a great platform. Yeah, we've got a lot of apps and plugins and things like within Shopify that just make things really easy. Like we've got a referral tool within Shopify that's all automated. We use Klaviyo for our emails which again sort of integrates with Shopify. So, yeah, as much as possible, we try and streamline a lot of that stuff. And then, I mean, email is still just, you know, daggy, but it's we do a lot of a lot of our stuff just via email with customers even. 
Yeah, no, it's not daggy. It's, I mean, people still, you know, I think lots of these tools are amazing, but at the end of the day, lots of people just are comfortable with email and, you know, as long as you're not getting too much crazy email trails. But um, yeah, and I loved as well that you said just streamlining because I think people can get really fixated on having this incredible tech stack and it's like, yeah, but then, and then they come and they're like, oh my God, I've got 22 subscriptions to things and we're spending so much money and yeah. And it's like, they don't connect with each other. Whenever people say to me, which website provider should I use? I'm like, are you already using an email provider? Look for one that integrates with that because you don't want to have all these workarounds and things going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Actually two others that we use, we use Miro and that's mainly as like a big sort of inspiration whiteboard. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of drag all of our collection ideas in there and colors and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's a really fun tool. It's super collaborative. And then we use Trello to sort of map our workflow with our pattern development. So again, like two free tools that are yeah really great to work with. Yes, I love Trello. All of my coaching clients have Trello boards and I have yeah. hundreds on there now and they've never charged me. So I'm like, okay, it's great. It's been years. And so what are you guys most proud of from your, your journey so far in business? I mean, there's been the, there's been heaps of milestones and, you know, we've really tried to celebrate milestones. You know, like we had a six-month birthday for coming to sort of get all of our friends and people who had helped us with the business together to celebrate. And you know, as much as possible, we do try and sort of take a moment and recognize the success that we've had. But the biggest sort of milestone event, I think for both of us was the day that we quit our corporate jobs. Mm. Cat jokes, like this knit kit we sold, she was like, can we quit our jobs now? And like, <laughs> it's kind of been the goal since starting it. And so that that moment in, in March this year was pretty huge for us yeah and we both got cardigan tattoos on our first day of time work so (laughs) really well spent yeah (laughs) oh wow if you want to be part of the cardigan you've got to get a tattoo yeah that's full that's very full full on is that like part of the initiation for anyone who joins absolutely yeah (laughs) and so did you quit on the same day Yeah, well, that was the plan. And then Morgan went early. So I had to quit because Morgan had already quit. I got in a day early just to really make sure the cat wasn't going to pull out, chicken out. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. And so what is next for you both? You hinted that there might be expansions. And then, you know, where can people connect with you if they're listening to this and thinking, oh my God, I want to get a matching tattoo with these women. They sound amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Join the club. In terms of what's next, we've got a very big launch coming up. So we're launching our crochet kit. So we're not just going to be doing knitting kits. We're going to be doing crochet. Then we've got some other bits and pieces on the horizon, sort of thinking not just about like knitting and crochet kits. So, yeah, watch this space. And the US is also very firmly in our site. So we are potentially having a trip over there to sort of do some meet and greets, which is really exciting. Have I missed anything? I think we just we just launched our chunky cotton, which is a first for us. So we've got we had merino wool to start with. We then introduced mohair, and now we've got chunky cotton as well. So we've got something for kind of 365 days of the year now. You don't need to stop knitting just because the weather gets warm. So that's really that will be big for us. We yeah we launched it a week ago, and it's really taking off. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then where to find us. So we are at cardigang.com.au and on Instagram, it's cardigang underscore knits. 
Oh, wow. Well, it has been such a pleasure to chat with you guys. And I just can't wait to see where the business goes because it's it's awesome what you've built and it sounds awesome what you're you know about to launch. So congratulations and thanks so much for coming in and sharing so much and so many tips and really practical things that people can do. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. What an upbeat pair. Honestly, they're the kind of people that you feel like, oh, I'd love to just go have dinner with those people and just chat, 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 chat. So many ideas, so much freshness, so much enthusiasm. You can just feel their passion for what they do. And it's so exciting when you can see people move from an idea to a reality to it transforming their lives, you know, being able to quit their jobs and do something that they're really passionate, work with each other, learn, test, experiment, that's what I love about running my own business as well. It's just that it's never stale. It's never, you know, they're just turning up to work and doing the same thing over and over and over. And if if you're listening to this and thinking, well, no, actually, that's how I feel about my business right now, I would urge you to kind of go back to the start. Why did you start it? What were you trying to achieve? What were your objectives? And, and how can you move back to that excitement and passion that you had at the start? that is really present in Kat and Morgan's chat with me today. So there were so many things that stood out. Of course, I'm going to point out two, as I always do. The two things that I think really stood out was starting with the long term in mind. Like what are you trying to achieve? Why are you doing this? And this is something I work with clients on all the time and, and quite often people can lose a sight of that. And it goes to what I was literally just saying, that we can get into a business for all this excitement and all this passion and but we've got to know where we're actually heading. The journey may take all sorts of twists and pivots and all sorts of different changes over the years, but ultimately what are we trying to do here? Why are we doing it? Because as exciting and passionate as we can be about business, there will be a lot of challenges. There are a lot of things that you just never have to face if you are an employed role you know, how is my business going to work if somebody in my family passes away? How is my business going to work if I decide to have another child? Like all these things that when you work in an employed role, you get compassionate leave, you get time off, you get, you know, in a lot of places, a maternity or paternity program that is set up to support you along with money some of the time. So it's equal parts exciting and nerve wracking. And I love that they talked about like, let's have a long-term kind of goal in mind here. Like let's have, you know, a reason as to why we are doing this and and a bigger sense of what it could become as well. I love that they talked about that, you know, that it's open to becoming all sorts of things in the future and they're building that community and they're building that audience for lots of different purposes outside of, you know, just people that want to come and learn how to knit. They could learn about crocheting. They could learn all sorts of things. They could learn about all sorts of different types of crafts. And so that opens up the gamut of, you know, direction for Kat and Morgan of where could we take this? What kind of collaborations could we do? Which brand partnerships could we do? Where is this going and growing as a business? So I love that, you know, kind of starting with the long term in mind. I also loved the concept that they talked about a bit, momentum over perfection. I think so often, and I'm guilty of this as well, we can kind of freeze in this idea that everything has to be perfect until we move or take action on things. I know with this actual podcast, I you know got an intro track done in 2016 or even 2017 
I didn't launch this podcast until 2020. I I don't think I thought necessarily that it needed to be perfect, but I didn't like the the way that things had been produced in the intro track. It was very cheesy. I was also conscious of I've had three operations on my nose and my sinuses. I've got bad sinuses. I've had all these all these issues with breathing and and so I've been told in the past that I have a very nasally voice. And so that was also a thing that I thought, oh, well, you know, what if people are like, oh, she's so annoying to listen to because of her nasally voice. And and so there was all sorts of things that sort of stopped me from just going for it. And then when I decided to go for it, I also did it as a test with a friend. I basically said, let's just, you know, I'm going to do this and let's just put out 10 episodes. And if it doesn't work, I'll just be like, oh, that was a season, season one, and we're not returning for season two. And it's worked. It's done way more than I thought it would do in terms of marketing my own business, marketing myself and connecting me with all sorts of people like the lovely Kat and Morgan from Cardi Gang. So I love that momentum over perfection. And if you are facing something in your business right now and you know that you're stalling on it because you're using perfection as a procrastination tool, really, then I would urge you to just like, what's the first step? For me, the first step was literally like signing up to a paid hosting platform. So you need a hosting platform when you have a podcast. Just side note, if you want to start a podcast, we have a really great short course called How to Start a Podcast that goes through all the things like hosting platforms. But I had to find a hosting platform, pay for it. And as soon as I started paying for that hosting platform, I was like, okay, come on, come on, Kalaki, like actually get some episodes up because you don't want to be paying for this platform that you're not actually using. So that was a really simple first step in forcing me to get going with it. I also just put a, a date in the diary and was like, that that's when I'm launching. I wanted to launch before I turned 40 and my birthday was in the end of June 2020 and I launched early June 2020. And so just, just use that momentum over perfection to really consider what is the smallest thing that I can do right now to just get going. So as I said, my absolute pleasure to talk to Kat and Morgan today from Cardi Gang. If you're interested in chatting to them, you can check them out at Cardi Gang, C-A-R-D-I-G-A-N-G.com.au. You can find them over at Instagram with a bunch of inspiring visuals and ideas and, and testimonials and all sorts of things over at Cardi Gang, C-A-R-D-I-G-A-N-G underscore Nits, K-N-I-T-S. So we'll link to that in the show notes along with everything else that we've mentioned today. And the show notes you can find over at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 258. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it so, so much if you could just take two seconds and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. It just really helps other small business owners find this podcast and maybe, you know, something that Kat or Morgan said today is exactly what they need to hear right now. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach.com.